This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study. We examine some questions that teachers may face, and we give some teaching tips along the way. This summer, we are studying Jeremiah and Lamentations. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and today I'm joined by Bob Bunn. Bob is an editor on the Explore the Bible team, and he leads a Bible study group at his church. So he is fully qualified to be a part of this conversation. Uh, So welcome, Bob. Thanks, Amber. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Uh, Today, we are looking at session nine. Uh, which is a study of Jeremiah 35, verses 5 through 19. In today's study, we're going to take a look at Jeremiah 35, verses 5 through 19. In the first part of our study, verses 5 through 11, Jeremiah provided jars of wine to the Rechabites and invited them to drink. They refused. They pointed to a command given to them by their ancestor Jonadab for the descendants of Rechab to never drink alcohol or to abandon a nomadic lifestyle. They declared their faithfulness to keeping the command and explained that they only moved to Jerusalem to flee from King Nebuchadnezzar's army. So it's an interesting, that's an interesting part of today's study, and we'll we'll get into that more. In Jeremiah 35, verses 12 through 17, Jeremiah compared the faithfulness of the Rechabites to the disobedience of Judah. It was an object lesson. God had spoken to the people of Judah through prophets several times, yet they did not pay attention to the messages delivered. Because of their continued disobedience, Judah faced judgment. And then finally, in verses 18 and 19, Jeremiah commended the Rechabites for their faithfulness. God assured them that their descendants, that would be the Rechabites' descendants, would have a place in God's service. The overall summary statement for today's lesson is that God expects his people to honor him through their obedience. So this is a really interesting passage to study, and I'm glad that we have a chance to do that today. Bob, let's just dive into some questions. Okay. Can you explain who the Rechabites were and why Jeremiah used them as an example? The Rechabites were kind of a nomadic group of people that were living within the boundaries of Israel. Uh, they really traced their their history back, as far as we can tell biblically, to a group of group called the Kenites, uh, which is really their their Moses's in laws, if you want to think of it <laughs> that way. Uh, his his father-in-law Jethro was a priest in Midian, and the Kenites were the folks who lived in Midian. So uh, when it, when Israel was freed from Egypt, they entered the wilderness. They they came upon these folks, uh, these Kenites. Uh, Jethro led a group of them up, and they they kind of connected. And some of them uh, decided to travel with the Israelites uh, to the Promised Land. And so that's how they ended up in the promised land. They they lived at peace with the Israelites. They were allies with the Israelites, but they were never really fully assimilated into the culture of the Israelites. They continued to have their nomadic lifestyle. They they continued to kind of do the things that they had already always done, but uh, they were they were basically resident aliens uh, in the group. Now, as far as uh, Rechab, Rechab had a son named Jonadab, mm-hmm. and Jonadab was an ally of King Jehu. Uh, this was probably, this was during the divided monarchy before 
before the Northern Kingdom was taken into captivity by Assyria. And Jehu had been given the responsibility by God to wipe out the, the, the family of Ahab and Jezebel and get rid of all the Baal worship that was taking place in the Northern Kingdom. And, and one of his allies in this fight was, was Jonadab, who was a, a Rechabite. Um, so 250 years after that, um, that we, we come across this group of people that interacted with Jeremiah. Uh, and they point back to Jonadab and say, hey, because of Jonadab, something Jonadab did, said 250 years ago, uh, we don't do that stuff anymore. We don't. We never have. We don't drink alcohol. We don't build houses. We don't live uh, in cities. We don't. We don't grow vineyards. We we are, we're not agricultural. Actually, they were probably metal workers or blacksmiths. Uh, is what is what most traditions believe they were, and so they had continued this nomadic, uh, temperate lifestyle for more than two centuries, and they held fast to it when Jeremiah offered them a cup of wine. Which is really intriguing, as you mentioned. It's it's really an interesting aspect to the story. If you think of it in terms yeah. of us today, it'd basically be the equivalent of someone in 1770 <laughs> saying, uh, you know, before before the American Revolution or in the midst of the American Revolution, as 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 the fight for independence was getting ready to get heated up, uh, just on the cusp of that that era in our history. Someone said, I don't want you to do this anymore, and I don't want any of your descendants to ever do this anymore. And for us, over the course of 250 years, to honor that and to obey that, that's the equivalent for us. It's impressive. That's a lot of generations. It is. It is. If you think about yeah. it, I couldn't begin to tell you who who from the bun line of uh, people was around <laughs> in the 1700s, if we were even in the United States at that time. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's just... That's the kind of commitment that that the Rechabites had made, and that was their integrity demanded that they keep mm -hmm. that responsibility. And you know, the, it became a great object lesson uh, for yeah. and a contrast to what was going on in the culture at large. They here you have a group of people who, were steadfast in their obedience and their faithfulness and honoring their ancestor for more than two centuries. And on the other hand, you had a group of people who couldn't obey God for a single day without getting into trouble. <laughs> and they constantly over time, over time, over time had, had, had rejected him and turned away from him. So it, that, that even when they had a prophet in their exactly, midst that told them <laughs> exactly. And, Jer and yeah, they had at least Jeremiah and others over yeah. that time period, over the same time period that the Rechabites, the 250 years that the Rechabites were honoring Jonadab's word. <laughs> Who knows how many prophets from God had had come and gone in in both the northern and the southern kingdoms, and they never got it. They never obeyed. Yeah, yeah. So this is interesting um, that the Lord led Jeremiah to to this encounter and put wine in front of them, and and they refused to drink it because of this commitment to what their ancestors had called them to do uh it's it's notable god was not calling jeremiah to then call the people to do the same thing that that's not exactly what was happening it was more it was a it was a lesson so can you tell us what was god's message to the people of judah regarding this and then their continued disobedience why did he even use this uh object lesson in the first place well the message for god from God to the people was the same that it had always been. Mm -hmm. 
you need to stop doing the things that you are doing and start honoring me again. You need to come back to me. You need to, to, to stop, stop practicing idolatry, stop worshiping other gods. And you need to be, to be just toward one another. You need to be fair, uh, which were the two main things that they, that they had violated the two main rules from the law that they had violated. They, they had chased after idols and that, and they had the, the, the more well-to-do folks had abused and, and violated the rights of the, of the folks who were least, uh, the least of these mm-hmm. uh, to use a new Testament term. And so, you know, God's message consistently had been, you know, turn back to me and act like it by doing that kind of stuff. And if you don't, there's going to be consequences. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. This chapter and chapter 36, which I think is next week's lesson, they're chronologically out of order in the book of Jeremiah. We know that chapter 36 occurred during the reign of Jehoiakim because he cut up the scroll and threw it mm-hmm. in the fire. So we don't, and we believe, and most scholars believe that this in, in, in chapter 35 happened around the same time. So it would have been in the reign of Jehoiakim. Now, Jehoiakim was one of the earlier kings in the Babylonian era. So, uh, you know, it, it, he, he was, he was the king. He died. His son was king. He got taken into captivity. And then another king came and reigned for about 10 or 11 years before Jerusalem was finally destroyed in 586 BC. So this, this would have occurred several years, more than a decade before the actual fall of Jerusalem and the final culmination of God's judgment. So yeah. it's, it's out of order chronolo- chronologically. And so that begs the question, why? <laughs> why, do, why is this placed in the middle of, mm-hmm. because all the chapters before it and all the chapters are after it deal with the reign of Zedekiah, who was the last king before the fall. And I think one of the reasons is that I think God placed it in there intentionally to show this is why all the things that you're going to read about next happened. <laughs> that that this, yeah yeah it gives you the context it gives the right. context it, it says this is um this is the reason behind my judgment the stubbornness and the rebellion and the injustice and the idolatry and all the things that happened um in verses 35 or chapters 35 and 36 were the reason for jerusalem's destruction and the temple's destruction more than a decade later so god's God's plan and God's purpose had never changed. His warnings had never changed. And he was gracious to give them those warnings. But he he places these stories in there so that, to remind you, this is not a, this is not arbitrary. This is the culmination of stuff that's been going on for a long, long time. Okay, before we continue on with more questions, I wanted to hit pause and bring uh bring some attention to the Bible one of the Bible skills for this. This lesson on page 89 of the personal study guide, you can find a Bible skill. And I think it's a really valuable one, especially for this passage for us to see. So the Bible skill is note repeated words or phrases in a Bible passage. Uh, And really through all of Jeremiah, we see the phrase, this is what, and and they give a title for the Lord. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says. And that is repeated over and over and over. And so the Bible skill says this. Uh, Bible writers sometimes use repetition of keywords to emphasize a theme or message. And so this is a good, this is a good conversation to have at some point in your group time 
to unpack that a little bit, uh, there are several times just in this passage alone that Jeremiah repeats the statement, this is what the Lord, the Lord of armies says. And of course, we know he says that to Jeremiah and Jeremiah repeats it to the people. Uh, and why is that? This is a good discussion. Why do we think over and over that that has been placed in scripture so many times? And what should it encourage us to do today? So that's a really good, uh, a valuable Bible skill. It's very, uh, very pertinent to today's scripture that we're studying. And I think it could could add a lot to the Bible study discussion. Okay, another question. What is the message in this passage for God's people today? Well, let's start by saying what it's not. Okay, that's a good <laughs> because start. Sometimes, sometimes we can read a passage and the first thing that clicks to us is not really what God was saying. It just, mm -hmm. it, it, it might be something for us personally, but in general, it's not, it's not the overall message. For instance, anytime you come across instances of people drinking wine in the Bible, mm -hmm. you know, for good Southern Baptists, that's that, that sometimes that'll, that'll flip a switch in our brains or at least old school Southern yeah. Baptists. And, and we'll say, well, this is obviously a, you know, they abstain from alcohol. So this is obviously a, a passage that says you should, should abstain from alcohol. Well, yeah. not exactly. Now, that's not to say you shouldn't, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. abstinence, temperance is certainly, it's where I stand. It is historically mm -hmm. where Southern Baptists have stood. It is historically where Baptists have stood longer than, uh, longer than 250 years uh, for that matter. Mm -hmm. um, it is, uh, you know, it is, it is a practice that is wise. It is a practice that allows us to, to keep sensibilities. Uh, it's a, it's a practice that, that allows especially leaders to act in a way that they should act and to judge wisely and to judge fairly. So temperance and abstinence of alcohol, it's important. Uh, and it's a great conversation for a different time, mm -hmm. but it's not the message of this passage. And so we got to be careful whenever we read scripture, especially a passage like this, to make sure we understand that something that seems like on the surface might be the main thing really isn't the main thing. So having said, so having said that, what is the exactly. main thing? Yep. Well, the, the main thing is faithfulness faithfulness in everything that's yes. the contrast we mentioned this a little while ago that's the contrast that that jeremiah set up um by bringing in the rechabites and offering them the wine um and just as as israel was called to be faithful judah was called to be faithful we are called to be faithful and really mm -hmm. if you think about it being faithful to god in every area of our life is a lot harder than abstaining from alcohol. Yes. <laughs> we, can, we can probably give up alcohol or never get started on alcohol and it'd be, it'd be one thing, but living faithfully each and every day in every circumstance, in every situation, in every context, that's hard. Yes. Um, yes. I came across a quote, or I, I, I thought of a quote, and I, I tried to research it a little bit. Um, and it, it's attributed to, to the great preacher D.L. Moody. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he actually said it or not, you know, how internet searches are sometimes, <laughs> but it's, it's the, basically the gist of the quote is the problem with living sacrifices is they always crawl off the altar. Mm -hmm. And so that's who we are as people. <laughs> yeah. We are called to be living sacrifices. We are called to be faithful. We are called to, to give complete and utter devotion to God. But as living sacrifices, we have the right sometimes to crawl off the altar and to disobey and to be unfaithful. 
And, you know, whether D.L. Moody actually said that or someone else said it, it really doesn't matter because it's still true and it's still who we are as people. Um, we have got to be faithful. We have got to follow God with a pure, complete, full, surrendered heart. And that's, that's it's not that the Rechabites uh, were, uh, I mean, they were faithful to God as well. And, and but the, it's the image of this complete and utter faithfulness. That's the kind of faithfulness we should have to God. Yeah. It should mirror the faithfulness that they had to Jonadab. Yes. And should contrast and contradict the fa unfaithfulness uh, that was happening in the culture around them at the time. That's a good explanation. Thank you. And an interesting quote that really, it does connect. Do we know what happened to the Rechabites? Do we have evidence that God kept his promise toward them? Well, he did give them a promise. He said that they would always have someone to stand before them, or God would, they would always have someone to stand before God, stand in the presence of God, which was a, um, an Old Testament way of saying they would always be blessed. They would always yeah. be a blessing. Uh, it's similar to the promise that God made to David, that if his, mm -hmm. his, his descendants would remain faithful, they would always have uh, a king on the throne of Israel, um, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. God kept that promise until they quit being faithful. And so he he was telling the Rechabites, you're always going to have this relationship with God. You're always going to have this, this connection to God. Uh, we don't know exactly what happened to them. Uh, really, this, this is the only, uh, this is their big moment in scripture. <laughs> you know, yeah. this, this is their, this is their, when they're in the spotlight for the longest period of time. Uh, we do, as we said earlier, we get a little bit of hints of them earlier in Israel's history. And um, we do find there is a there is a reference in Nehemiah in chapter three of a guy named Malchijah, I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, he he was a Rechabite. He was he was called a son of Rechab, and he was one of the people in Nehemiah who helped rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Which is ironic for a nomadic people that they were helping rebuild the walls, but they were there. Um, so we know that that they were still around after the exile because Nehemiah was was a, is a post exilic book. So you're talking about if you, if it was, uh, let's say, 15 years from the time that the events of chapter 35 happened until the fall of Jerusalem in 586, and then you had 70 years of captivity, you're looking at probably, you know, at least 80 years or 85 years or something like that after these events in chapter 35, that here is another son of Rechab who is still doing the things that he's supposed to be doing, and he's still faithfully serving God. To the best of his ability so that gives us some hint that they were still around and that they were still faithful and they were still obedient now jewish tradition says that rechabites several rechabites actually became priests and and uh this would have been in the intertestamental period uh between the old testament and the new testament and some of them actually would have were members of the sanhedrin which was the ruling body uh, of jewish life after the exile uh, and so, you know, we don't know for sure that that's accurate or not, but that's the tradition. And so if that's true, then God certainly had people serving him uh, from the tribe of Rechab and had had Rechabites uh, standing before him literally uh, on a regular basis. So uh, I have no doubt that God was faithful in keeping his promises because that's who God is. But those are little, those are little hints that that uh, that how he how he accomplished that in this case. That's helpful. Thank you. Another another thing that can be helpful this week to your study of this particular lesson, if you use the leader pack, 
The leader pack item number two is an outline for the book of Jer well the books of Jeremiah and Lamentations, and this might be a good time to pull that out. We're nine weeks into this study of Jeremiah, so this is a good time to pull it out, or if it's already on the wall, to bring some attention to it and just kind of show where where we are. So this week we're studying Jeremiah 35, so it's in the middle of the book of Jeremiah. Uh, and it shows sort of what has already taken place and then what still lies ahead. So it might it's a valuable tool that can help your group members see kind of where we are in in the book of Jeremiah, what's already happened and what's coming up next. Bob, thank you for being with us on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. Um, always always good to see you and to get your thoughts on on some on the things that we're studying. Happy to help out. It's a, it's a, I know Jeremiah is a long haul for some folks. Uh, it, it's a, it's the longest book of the Bible, really, except for, except for, except for Psalms. Uh, it, is, it is one of the longer books of the Bible. And so it's, it, it can be a, it can be a, it can be a challenge sometimes. And it's nice to have these little narratives in between all the, you've done wrong, you're going to exile. You've done wrong, you're going to exile. You've sinned, you're going to be destroyed. It's nice to have these little narratives that we can kind of hang on to as well. This one in the next week's with, with chapter 36. But uh, just if, if you're struggling as a leader, hang in there. It's a good book. Yes. It's got some great stuff. And uh, it'll make it's a difference in your life and the lives of, of the folks in your classes. Uh, before we go, let me remind you about Extra. We identify a current news event and describe a way of using that as uh, like an illustration to either introduce or conclude the group time. Bob actually is the one who works on that. So kudos to Bob for his good work on all of that. Uh, this teaching idea is free and you can find this online uh, at goexplorethebible.com slash leader extras. Next week, we will discuss Jeremiah 36, verse 19 through 31 with Mike Livingston, and we hope you'll join us then.